Successful Performer Cast Episode 2. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everyone, this is Chris Shepard, your host. Thanks for listening to the Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews successful entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. Have you joined our email list? This is a great way to be notified every time a new episode breaks. Go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com to sign up today and never miss an episode. Also, if you enjoy this free podcast and would like to show your appreciation, go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com and click on the subscribe on iTunes tab at the top. This will take you to the iTunes store where you can leave a rating and a review. Also, as a special thanks for five-star ratings, I will personally give you a shout-out thanking you by name in a future episode of our show. Now, let's get to the good stuff. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show a very talented performer, Lindsay Benner. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. Lindsay Benner is a virtuoso entertainer. She uses acting, comedy, and juggling to weave together a show like you've never seen before. And she's recently launched a vaudeville extravaganza, which is touring around Los Angeles. And it's called The Quest for Love. And it also features her Book of Love show. So, Lindsay, are you ready to get started? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start off with a little bit of inspiration. Uh, I'd like you to just share with us what your favorite success quote is and how do you live by it? I This quote isn't necessarily from uh, – well, I, it is from a specific person, but I don't even know what their name is. This was a quote that my mother told me when I was uh, off to my first big world busker festival in New Zealand, and it was my first – festival and I was really freaking out because I was really nervous about it. And she told me this little story about watching a sumo wrestler complete uh, the championship and he won the championship. And right after he won the championship, uh, a reporter came up to him and asked him, this is amazing. You did such a wonderful job. How, how, like, how do you feel? Like, what, what is it? What is it? How did how did you win? How did you win this championship? And the sumo wrestler said, "Well, I just kept moving forward." And that little sentence, "I just kept moving forward," is what I think of when I'm going through something really scary, or if I'm nervous about a show, or if I'm nervous about creating something new. Um, I always think of that sumo wrestler and how he won the championship. Wow, that's very cool. Can you share with us a particular instance which this uh, uh, this saying really helped you out? Pretty much every day, because <laughs> you know it's 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 a it's a daily it's a daily um, every day. You just if you, if you just keep moving forward, you keep tackling the next thing. If as you know, it, sometimes it can be so overwhelming um, when you see all the places that you want to go and where you are and how far the gap may be between where you are and where you want to go. Um, and it can be really overwhelming. And I think that just knowing that that is 
that is how you that is how you succeed. You just keep moving forward. You keep what it, what's the next step and you take it. Very cool. So you basically just keep that in the back of your mind as you go and whatever happens throughout your your career or or whatever may may happen in your life, you're always you're obviously always keeping that in your mind. So it's it's kind of always being like a, a little bit of a cheerleader for you as well. Yeah, totally. Very cool. Well, Lindsay, tell us a, a little bit about yourself and your business as a performer. Uh, bring us into your journey, if you would. Okay. Um, so I started out uh, as an actor, and I have a BFA in acting from the University of Connecticut. And um, it was a great school, and I learned a lot about regional theater acting. And that was my plan, was to be a regional theater actress. And I moved back to the Bay Area, which is where I grew up, to uh, sort of sink my teeth into the Bay Area acting scene. And while I did that, I met some some old friends who uh, who were street performing and making their living street performing in San Francisco. And I decided that, you know, I, I needed a job and, um, I saw that they were making a pretty good living and I had some basic juggling skills, you know, better than most people, but certainly not circus, uh, level. Um, but I, I, I saw what they did and they, they, they taught me the formula. And so I learned how to street perform and I started making my living as a street performer. And the, 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 you know, first of all, the, the amount of money I could make as a street performer really surprised me. It wasn't a ton, but it was more than I could make as a regional theater actress, um, especially in a, a high peak tourist season. So, and I had complete control over what I was doing and when I was going. And, you know, that was a really, um, that was really cool. Even though I loved acting, this, this other format was, um, providing me a lot more, um, a lot more, uh, opportunity and, um, and, you know, cash flow. <laughs> <That's interesting. laughs> um, yeah. And then I, I, then my friends who had taught me how to street perform, they started working the, the busker, uh, festival circuit, which is really, uh, an incredible, uh, circuit up in, um, Canada and in Europe, they've got these, uh, and in, um, Australia and in New Zealand as well, they've got these really great, uh, busker festivals and busker being another word for street performer, um, where, you know, they, they fly you out to, to their, to their place and they put you up while you're, while they're there. And the way you get paid is they just, you, you go and you busk at this festival where everybody is taught to tip you, um, in your hat. So you, you do well and you get to travel and be in a community of other street performers and have a real, you know, have a real, um, community experience and a really great way to travel and see, see the world. So then I started doing that and that was super fun and really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And then, um, I really, uh, I had this dream in my head that I still, I wanted to do something with, with film and television. And so I moved from the Bay area uh, down to Los Angeles. Um, and I started, you know, trying to figure out how, how that worked. Um, and while I was doing that, I, I was trying to figure out some way that I could stay active, even though street, I didn't, the street performing down here was not, um, it, the type of street performing I did, which was a circle show. Um, that was 30 minute, 30, 45 minutes long. Uh, it doesn't really work in the, the kind of venues that they have down here uh, as it does up at pier 39 and the, the fisherman's wharf. 
Um, so I wasn't, if I was street performing, I was traveling back up to San Francisco to street perform. And then I would come back here to, to sort of figure out what I, what I was trying to do in Los Angeles. And so I just, I started, um, creating, a, a a show in this theater and that show turned into, um, this silent, I really wanted to try working silent. Um, cause I always loved silent work like Bill Irwin and, and was just, I, I just, I love that. It's very magical. The, the, the silent shows that I'd seen have been very inspired by them. So I started doing a silent show, um, called the book of love. Uh, and it was, and I started doing it at burlesque shows in Los Angeles. Um, and it worked really well. And by doing the burlesque shows, I mean, and you got paid nothing to do these burlesque shows, but, um, it was just a way to get out of the house, you know? And, um, so I would do the burlesque shows and then that led to meeting, uh, Max Maven, uh, cause one of the producers of the burlesque shows was a good friend of Max Maven. And he said, Oh, you got to see this girl. She's, she'd be great at the magic castle. Um, and then Max Maven saw me and invited me to perform at the magic castle. And I did my bit that I was doing at burlesque shows at the magic castle, which was just, I couldn't believe how amazing that experience was after, you know, working the street and then working these bars at burlesque shows, mm-hmm. the audience isn't, you know, the audience isn't as buttery as the, they're just the magic castle audiences are just the most delightful, buttery, happy, <laughs> absolutely ready, ready for you to be good, you know? And, and I had done all this training in these environments where it was really harsh. And so it was just like the slingshot effect of like, we, <laughs> and, um, you know, and in the festivals, even though like I, I, I didn't have a lot of experience uh, in comparison to the other uh, street performers in these festivals because I was um, most of, I, because I have this advantage of being a girl and there aren't a lot of women there. At least when I started, there weren't a lot of women street performers. There are a lot now, a lot more now than there were then, right. um, which was about 10 years ago. Um, but when I first started, like you could, as a girl, you would have three years, like I had three years under my belt where most everybody else at the, at the street performing festival had at least 10, 10 to 20, you know? And so I, that's part of why I was so intimidated, um, when I went to these festivals, but I, I, and I, you know, I could feel it, you know, experience talks, you know, so I could feel that I was doing all right. I was holding my own, but I wasn't great yet. You know, I was still learning. Um, and at the magic castle, after all of that hard work in the street performing circuit and, you know, and the burlesque shows and everything at the magic castle, it was this finally, it was this moment, like my first show at the magic castle, all of these incredible, um, magicians, I didn't know any of them at the time cause I wasn't well-versed in, in, in magic, but all of these incredible professional entertainers were cut, were coming to my dressing room and being like, holy moly, who are you? And that was, <laughs> that was just this incredible, um, like I, I, I wept. I <laughs> like Sean McMaster was actually there and I totally, I was just like, I <laughs> like, well, like saw me like burst into tears. Cause I had, you know, when you, when you're really struggling to find your voice, um, it's so, it can, it's such a, such an interesting dance with your ego. <laughs> um, right. and so I, having that moment where suddenly I wasn't just good for a girl. I was like, you know, they were like, Oh my gosh, you're awesome. You know, was, was such a, such a huge moment for me. And I, I just, I, it still, it still feels so nice to even think about it. <laughs> so, and every, every time I perform at the castle, I, I feel just, I feel so great. It's just one of my favorite places to perform. And then from there, I, I really wanted to shift from being a street performer 
um, because there was this this element of street performing that was really uh, always hard on my psyche. The um, the part where you would never know how much you were making, and right. the the weather had a lot to do with how well your show went. And there's so many different, you know, how hot it was, or how windy it was, or how cold it was, or how you know there was all these, and just you were always negotiating with your audience. Um, about how to watch your show, you know, please move forward, come to the line, like all of the different elements that really made a street show a street show. Um, I really struggled with, and I, I really didn't like. And I got to a certain point where I just I knew I had to shift because I was starting to do it. You know, I was really starting to do it just for the money, and that's not what I want to do. You know, um, so I I was looking at the show that I had that was so successful at the Magic Castle, but I only had 15 minutes of material. And I wanted to expand it. So I started to work on expanding it so that it could be something that I could sell um, in the college market. Because I heard that the college market is a place that, you know, good, that is a, a good place for people who have a good show, but maybe aren't, you know, aren't famous yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to to have to 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 get paid well and to um, to travel the U.S. and to and to do a show indoors um, and you knew exactly what you were getting paid and that was that so um, I looked into that and I found an agent and I and I created a show um, <laughs> I, I I booked the tour before I I uh, had a forty five minute show but <laughs> but that that'll that'll get you to that'll get you to write it yeah it was one of my oh, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes uh, from Frank Olivier, who's one of my one of my mentors growing up. I used to uh, he's a great juggler and he was a street performer and and still just just a hilarious entertainer, just like really incredible. He um he said the best way to write a show is to book it, and that's that's been true. <laughs> I, I I wrote it and it and it I stretched it out and it was 45 minutes and it and and I went and did the show uh, my first college show and I was so nervous and it and it went really well and it just continued to go really well and I I kept booking more and more and I had a I've only been doing that for about 2 years now but that's that's my main gig now is the is the college market um and I and I I've, I've been I've been uh, progressively uh rocking it. So that's where I'm at right now. Very cool. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea of uh, your entire backstory. I mean, I'd only seen you perform at the Magic Castle a couple of times, and uh, you know, you were one of the people that um, uh, Sean McMaster had suggested that I get on this show. And, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I, you know, was looking up uh, your website and watching your videos on YouTube and stuff, and you know, it's you know obviously really good, and uh, so it's it's just really interesting to hear your journey. You know, so thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah, hope it wasn't too long. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I think uh, uh, the listeners will really enjoy uh, hearing it. So, okay, cool. Absolutely. So, in uh, as as you were, you know, striving to become, uh, you know, a professional performer, was there any Anything that really helped you out as you were making your leap, or did you find that things just kind of progressively fell into place? Um, I was really bad at food service. <laughs> uh, I think that was the the wind in my sails <laughs> to nice. to actually actually go out there and street perform because street performing is super scary. It's a really nerve wracking thing to do. Um, and I don't think I could, I mean, I was fueled by that and I was fueled by, I had, 
you know, I, I graduated from college and I had, you know, a total crisis as I think a lot of people do. Um, cause you were a student and everyone accepted that you were a student. And then now you're, a now what are you? <laughs> you're just an, you're an adult, but you don't really know how to be an adult yet. And I was like, I was freaking out. And so I decided I wanted to go to physical theater school in, uh, in France or something. I had signed up for this <laughs> physical theater school and, um, and then I did, and then I was going to go. And then I, and then I, and I fell in love with, uh, with this guy who was a street performer, uh, Pete Sweet, uh, this is his performance name now. He's, he's an excellent entertainer and I, I'd fallen in love with him. And I, so I didn't want to go to this, this place. I didn't want to go to the, to the, um, uh, to the physical theater school anymore. That didn't make sense. But I also didn't want to just stay for a guy cause it wasn't in, you know, I wanted to be this career driven woman. Um, so I, I, he, he said, well, if you learn how to street perform, then you're learning something new. So I could, I could stay where I, I could stay there in San Francisco and learn the new skill. And that way I, I felt like at least then I was, I was moving forward <laughs> as, as we say. Your mantra. My mantra. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Did you, uh, did you ever encounter any resistance from family and friends after graduating college and then you decide you're going to pursue street performing and performing in general? I always had the most supportive uh, and loving parents. I, I'm really, really lucky. They, they were both academics and or they are still academics, um, retired, but they still lives on. And they, they just wanted to see me thrive and they saw that entertainment and the arts was where I thrived. And so they always supported that. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. So could you tell us a little bit about your quest for love show or the, the book of love show and the, uh, quest for love, uh, that's, uh, just a, um, what, what is the quest for love as well? The quest for love is the, the quest for love is the, is the name of the tour. And I, and I decided after I had done, I, I, I really want to work in Los Angeles. Um, and I felt like every time I, I've lived in Los Angeles, I always worked outside of Los Angeles. And so I, I really wanted to find, I, I, I had this idea in my head that I wanted to do a tour of my book of love show that I've been doing my full length silent vaudeville show that I'm really proud of. It took me a while to create it and having toured it on the road, it got really solid and really strong. And so I really wanted to share it with audiences in Los Angeles who would really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and get, and, you know, the, the, the audiences in Los Angeles are, you know, very entertainment savvy and very intelligent. And I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to share it with them and in, and in the hopes also by sharing it, find some way to plug in here and have a community, um, here that I had never quite felt like I had yet. So this quest for love, uh, was this, uh, idea I had after I performed, I, I was trying to figure out what, what venues to do my, my act in. Um, cause the cool part about my show is that I can just pop it up anywhere. I do it in cafeterias. I do it in, you know, I do it. It's all packed in a suitcase that can fly anywhere and it just pops up and I can just do a show, just flip the lights on, flip the lights off. You know, like I can, I can make it work and my street performing background has it so that I just like, I'm just, I can really go with it. I'm not, I'm not picky about how things 
work. I'm just make it work however it happens. Right. So um, I've been trying to, and I don't have a, I don't have a huge fan base in Los Angeles yet. Um, so I, I wanted to find a way to develop that and, um, and do the show that I love to do and to share it with people. So I came up with doing this tour and I was trying to figure out where to do it. And I, I, I had performed at my friend's loft at the artist brewery, um, close to downtown in Lincoln Heights. And the experience was so awesome. And the audience there was exactly the type of people I wanted to be performing for. They were these like super young, hip, interested in finding little nooks and crannies of Los Angeles type of people. Mm-hmm. And I did, I just did the little 15 minute version that I do at the Magic Castle. I did that at this big, at the, this event called Surprise, which is this com- comedy stand, sort of more like stand up comedy, but it, it was always very eclectic, interesting, different comedy, not normal not your normal stand-up comedy fair, you know? Right. And, um, and I did, when I, when I did that, I just, I just loved it. <laughs> it just felt so great. And it, I was performing on her, on her, on her drafting table with a weird background that was kind of makeshift. And I was just like, this is so the Muppets. This is so what I fell <laughs> in love with. Why I fell in love with, with variety arts is this kind of, you know, rough and tumble, but we're just creating something from nothing kind of, uh, a thing. So, uh, so, and so I decided that I wanted to find little venues all over Los Angeles, um, that was, uh, that were like that, that were like a, a private loft or a warehouse or, a, you know, little, little nooks and crannies, um, like a yoga studio and stuff. So that's, that was the, the intention. So I, I, I found all these, I found different places and I'm doing two shows a week, um, in different places all over in Los Angeles. There's like okay. the promos, like a treasure map, so you could, cause it's really, all of the venues are kind of, you would never expect a variety show to be there necessarily, you know? Right. Um, so that's what the, that's what the tour is. It's been, it's been an, a very interesting journey. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So who, who have you had, uh, performing along with you in the, in that show? Um, Matt Marcy, uh, performed for, for, did I had, uh, I had, I have a different opener for every show. So I had, um, Brett Loudermilk, uh, help me with one, um, Matt Marcy, uh, um, uh, Chris Korn, uh, all these great, really great magicians who are just absolute dolls and very supportive. Oh, yeah. you. Um, and they all came and did a little 10 minute set and introduced me and, and was, we've had a really great time. I've been really really blessed. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Brett Loudermilk, and I'm actually uh, talking with him to get him on the show as well. So. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, I yeah, think he'll be a good interview. Oh, yeah. He's so, he's, he's, so, he's, so go- he's so good, and he's so genuinely all about variety arts, you know? Yeah. He's just, all, and always, and has been from a young age. Like, he was, he was really lucky in that, that he, he could hear that that desire and that intrigue and that interest at a very young age. And he's just gone for it, you know, and you can yep. see it and what he does. It's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And you know, you, you bring up, uh, just the different people who have been, uh, performing with you in the tour and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just how you've talked about how people have pretty much welcomed you with open arms. And I think I found that to be true as well in the magic industry. And I think that's just, a really cool thing, you know. I mean, you don't see that everywhere. You don't see that, you know, in in singing or you know even comedy. <laughs> totally, I, you know, think, so. I think there's. Yeah, I wonder why partly that is, and I I think 
that might have something to do with it being kind of a small knit community, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so to find someone else, else who is enthusiastic about the, that thing that you're enthusiastic about, like magic or juggling or vaudeville is, is pretty special. It's, it's, it's really, it, it makes for a really nice supportive community. I love that part of it. It does. It does. It's very cool. Yeah. So Lindsay, in going about your day-to-day business in, uh, in performing, you know, we're, we're bound to come across opportunities where, you know, there's a learning experience, right? And so what, what I'd like to ask you about is I'd like you to tell us about a failure that you've had and, uh, you know, how you learned from it. Sure. It was very recent. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so funny. It's like, I, I want to pretend like this quest for love thing hasn't has been just a marvelous success and it's worked exactly how I was hoping it would work and word of mouth was singing and and I've packed the houses but it hasn't worked that way at all and I, I a big part of it was I decided to do the PR and marketing and producing all my all by myself and I don't really do that um, mm-hmm. so it's it's felt like uh, so the first weekend um, I had you know, it was showtime and I had three people in my audience and my heart just sunk, you know, (laughs) (laughs) my heart just sunk. And we waited, we waited an hour for seven more people to show up (laughs) who were on their way. (laughs) And Brett, (laughs) Brett opened that show. It was just, I was just felt like such a loser, you know, (laughs) I just felt like such a total loser. And I, I, it was a real, it was a real, it was a real kick. It was like, it was interesting when you, when you asked me to, um, to interview me, uh, it was in, when I was really in despair about how I had failed with the PR <laughs> of this. Oh no! <laughs> and so like, when you're like professional entertainers, yay. I'm just like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm not a professional. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Don't talk to me, you know, but I think it's important to just, you know, I've had, I've had a really, I'm really proud of where I've gotten, but I still, you know, I'm, I'm still glad that I'm giving myself opportunity to just fall on my face. And that's that, that I, I did that, but I learned a lot from it. You know, I've, I've learned that I can't do it all by myself. Um, I've learned, I've learned about how you need to, to, to take a lot more time before you do a tour. You can't just do it in like three weeks. Yeah, I just, oh, I, I just really, I really belly flopped and, and I, I've had some, you know, I had a really great show this last Friday, uh, on the West side, uh, at the love dome, a bunch of people showed up and Chris Korn was awesome. And, I had a real nice show and I got to, I got to, to, to live the dream that I had had initially, you know, and that, you know, and so it, it just, it's been, it's been a stumbling learning experience, but I'd say that was the most recent (laughs) painful failure that, you know, um, I, I, I wouldn't, I would not take it back. I'm really glad that I did it and I'm really glad that I'm, I'm still doing it. I'm still, you know, just soldiering on and, and learning and meeting a lot more people. I, I, now I have a great technician who I know I love working with. That's huge, you know? And so that's where I am. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, what, what, what I'm doing right now in, uh, in performing magic is I'm mainly performing at restaurants. Mm. Right. And so there, there will be times when, 
there's uh, maybe like three or four people in the restaurant, and it's like, right. you know, what do I do? I, I got to go perform for them. I go up to the first table, and uh, you know, they don't want to see magic. So it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know. And I, I can I can relate to you in in your experience with that show that you just uh, told us about. So yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. On the flip side of the coin, could you share with us one of your biggest successes? Sure. Um, I think probably the most. I mean, it, it's funny when I when I was thinking of you know it's it <laughs> with both failure and success. It's like, huh, which one do I pick? <laughs> um, but with yeah. this with with this success, I think my my favorite recent one was um, last. Uh, I think it was about it was about a year ago. I performed at this benefit uh, at a cancer benefit in New York um, on Broadway, and it was while Bill Irwin um, and David Shiner were doing their old hats um, on Broadway. Um, and Bill Irwin, I was, you know, uh, I'm sure for for many vaudeville entertainers, but certainly for me, I saw him perform Full Moon um, at ACT in San Francisco when I was 17, and that just, I, I could, you know, I was just floored. I just, I, and I, I went home after that and I said, I, that's it. I want to be a clown. I'm going to be a clown. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a clown. Like, like that guy's a clown, like Bill Lerman's a clown. And I just, you know, I, I got pissed that I had to go to real college instead of clown college because my parents would not <laughs> handle me going to clown college. I actually didn't know clown college existed and that until I was already enrolled in college, but I was really pissed. And so, and Bill Irwin continued, like I, I watched Regard of Flight on, on VHS, um, at, at Frank Olivia's place. Frank Olivia had such a great collection of all different kinds of stuff. It was a great wealth of knowledge. And I would, I just, you know, I just really, really admired, uh, Bill Irwin and what he did and that the art form that was so somewhat lost that he brought alive, um, in mm-hmm. such a, such a visceral and, clear and present way it was his own but it was so it was so old and so new all at the same time it was so cool and so anyway so he's you know just an absolute huge hero of mine and so to get to per- perform in a variety show with him was an absolute dream come true and i found out um uh when i got there to 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 do the show that bill Irwin had looked at everybody in the lineup and seen everybody's lineup and or seen everybody's you know he was the main headliner um through line of the show of course um and so a bunch of us got on board to to go do it and i flew out there to do it and he um had looked at all of our promo and uh had specifically chosen me as the closing act based on what he saw nice. and that was like, I, I didn't know any, like, I couldn't, it's weird. It's like, I couldn't really, I tried to call a friend of mine. Like I tried to figure out like who would know how epic this, this is, you know, who would, cause a yeah. lot of people don't really have, have context for Bill Irwin. Um, and, but those who do like really do they're, you know, they're like, Oh, I just, I had to give up the dream of being El- Bill Irwin or something, you know? Right. And, um, and <laughs> So I called one of my friends and it was so funny because I felt like, I felt like he couldn't really be happy for me because mm. he was so jealous, <laughs> you know, it was oh, like, this. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, 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 that was this moment that I, I just, I couldn't stop I screaming. I was like, I, I couldn't scream. 
I, I did when I was in a private place where I wouldn't freak anybody out. But I was like, I just, that was, that was a huge success moment for me. Anyway, that was it. <laughs> you're breathing. You're saying, be professional, be professional. Don't <laughs> <No>. scream. <laughs> totally. I think we've all had moments like that. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Good stuff. So how do you differentiate yourself from others in your genre? Do you have a unique selling point? Um, I, I, it, it helps. So I, I think mainly it's that I'm very feminine in my work. And I think that, um, you know, when I initially got into street performing and when I got into, uh, the busker festival scene, that was the first time that I was really like sending promo out to try and get, get work. Mm -hmm. And just the very fact that I was a girl was a huge thing. And so I really bumped that up. Like I always wore a red dress and, um, kind of had this, you know, had, I, I, I did, I did a hairdo that I, it was like the one hairdo I knew how to do. It was just this like forties do that I've just stuck with. <laughs> I haven't changed yeah. for like 10 years. Um, but I kind of, I, I go, I, I, I use the, the feminine and the, and the more I've done it, the more I've, uh, it's really, it's, it's just what is, what's true to myself. Um, so it's not necessarily like an angle that I've thought about, but it, but it is, but it is, it is neat that it, it, it's, I think it's because it's, it's pretty rare, um, to have females in, in the variety arts, um, that isn't burlesque, uh, of course, right. um, uh, that, that, that just being very feminine is, is kind of the, is a, is a big selling point. I think it can even out a lot of variety shows. That's really cool. And I, I think it, it really, really plays well for you. And, uh, you know, I was watching, uh, one of the YouTube videos, and I think it was your your closer for your busking show. We mm. get two guys up, and they hold you as you juggle fire. Yes. And I I thought it was just so funny how you interacted with them and their girlfriends who are, or or wife who who was out in the audience as well. And yeah, it was just so funny. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, it, it works really well for you. So that's that's very cool. Thanks. So it. it is there anything that you can pinpoint that you have found has worked best for you in growing your business? Um, getting support uh, is very helpful. Like I, I think with, you know, I think getting and figuring out what it is, like looking at the markets that exist um, and figuring out what it is you need to create to, to work in that market. At least th this is, this is my experience for, for both, you know, street shows when I was trying to get into busking festivals, you look at, okay, this is the promo I need. This is what it's got to be. You look at what works, you look at what doesn't work. And, uh, with, with college entertainment, um, having an agent help me out who knows the business, that was really helpful. Um, and having, uh, having a, you know, just, um, having, it, it, figuring out what it is you need to do and then, and then create it as it is true for yourself, you know, staying true to yourself. But, uh, understanding what what it is that the market uh, is requiring. Okay, is there anything you found that hasn't worked for you, or something that you would never do again? That's uh, absolutely uh, maybe even worked in in reverse. <laughs> um, it hasn't worked for me. I'm sure there's a lot that hasn't worked for me, but I I sure. might be not aware of it. Yeah, <laughs> you you know, live, you learn, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, cool. yeah, I mean, I, I think I said it before that, uh, do trying to do it all by myself, um, mm -hmm. 
that's that that hasn't been very useful. Get help, uh, obviously, and you know which frees you up to do what you do best, mm-hmm. which is let performing. other people be. Yeah, let other people be good at what they're good at, and absolutely. Yep. <laughs> well, very cool. So what I'd like you to do for us next is kind of take us into, you know, a day in the life of a performer. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one. Cause it's always, it's so all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can give you a, like, I can give you a basic, like if I'm on tour, um, sure, yeah. if, when, if I'm on tour, uh, in the college, uh, world, um, a typical morning is, you know, you get up, you're in the hotel and you try and get up early enough for the free breakfast and you get the breakfast, get your Bonus. coffee. Totally. <laughs> Sometimes I don't make it, but I try and make it. There you, go. Um, you try and get as many free meals along the way as you can. Um, cause they don't, uh, often the, uh, college market doesn't pay for, you know, they'll feed you the night of the show, but they won't, you know, there's no, there's no daily stipend or anything. Um, and you, and you got to fly yourself there and fly yourself back and rent your own car. And, you know, you've got to, you're responsible for all that. So the, the more you can kind of cut, cut that down, the more you make per show. So try and get the breakfast, get the coffee, pack all your stuff, get out by, by checkout time, get in the car, get in the rental car. You look up the, where the next destination is, plug it in. It's usually at least a couple hours away. You're lucky if it's only a couple hours away. Usually it's like five hours away or something silly like that. Mm-hmm. Get in your car, you you drive, listen to podcasts like this one. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, just kind of go, go, go along your merry way and, and get to the, get to the next, uh, event space, maybe, uh, get to the next, um, hopefully you have enough time to go to your hotel first so you can kind of freshen up after the drive. And then, um, I put on my makeup. Um, I, well, actually if, if I have, t- it just depends on how much time I have. If I have time, I'll just kind of hang out in the hotel room for a little while and, and work on the computer, answer emails, um, talk to, talk to my husband, you know, whatever, whatever's, whatever I'm, I need to do. And, um, and then, uh, uh, and then get ready, um, put on the makeup, put on, um, that's something that dudes, I don't think have to worry about too much, but, um, you'd be surprised. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I probably would be, I probably would be put on the makeup, put on the fake eyelashes, get the dress on, get everything situated, make sure I'm, I've got everything. And then, um, and then go to the venue, uh, at least an hour and a half before the show. And, um, uh, and then start, start setting up for the show, prep one of the students with uh, all of my sound cues and, um, and lighting cues and figure out what this, what the space is, what I'm doing. Um, and then do the show, uh, and go back to the hotel and, you know, if it's, if it's a, if it's a really awesome night, I'll get, you know, a couple Bud Lights and take it back to the hotel and, you know, have a Vogue. Brilliant. Just like <laughs> chill out, you know. Look at my Vogue. Watch the Daily Show. Go to bed. There you go. Good <laughs> stuff. Where where do you fit in uh, like marketing and and paperwork and stuff for the shows on that? Is that something you do there or something you do? That's after usually the fact? something I. So that's usually something I wait to do until I get home, and then I do my office hours. And you know, I have I have an I have a home office that I do all of that stuff out of, and um, you know, that's something that that is. Uh, when you're on the road, it's so, it's really an interesting, it's interesting how tiring it is to be on the road. And you just, your brain gets so 
like I, at least mine does. It gets really, it feels really like, um, like I always think that I'm going to write a script when I'm on the road, you know, and I'm in my travel time, I'm going to, you know, write that, <laughs> write that pilot or <laughs> do that creative work. But I'm just so exhausted that I just don't, I just don't do it. I just kind of, it's just moment by moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think, I think with the, the, with, with the marketing and, you know, with, with the thing about, uh, doing college stuff is you don't really have to market that much. You just do, you do your showcases and that's what gets you the work. And then, you know, they're really responsible for filling the audience, which sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, it's, it's hard to, I mean, as I've experienced, it's really hard. It's really hard to get people to go out and see a show, even if it's not, even if it, even if it costs nothing. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, so I, I just, uh, I, I, when I'm at home, that's, that's when the, that's when the office work happens and, and the practicing too. Like it takes, it takes some, I've got to practice, uh, juggling a bit here mm-hmm. and there to keep it, to keep it alive. <laughs> so you can keep bringing your A game. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. So being an entertainer, uh, you know, as, as both of us are, we're, I, I, I feel that we're more prone to having interesting things happen to us. You know what I mean? Mm. So could you tell us about a story or something interesting that's happened to you or that you've seen happen, uh, you know, along your journey in performing? Sure. Am, am I allowed to... Well, am I allowed to use uh, a bad word that starts with sh and rhymes with it? <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Well, th- that'll come later. So, so this is this is my probably the most. Uh, I I think it's one of the most interesting stories that I collected as a street performer, and this was in my my first year as a street performer um, uh, out on Fisherman's Wharf, not at Pier Thirty Nine, but there's this circle spot um, that was really like total chaos theory. You know, we had to, there were silver guys out there. There was a steel drum band and the circle acts had made a deal with the, um, with the perform, with the other performers that we could have the, the pitch to ourselves. The pitch is the place you perform as a street performer. We could have the pitch to ourselves so that we would have no steel drums playing and no silver guys in the middle of our uh, circle. Um, if we gave them the best part of the day and we wouldn't do shows and interrupt their flow if they would let us have it from like 5 p.m. on. And so every day at 5 p.m., all of the street performers, the circle acts would show up. It was usually like between two to four of us. And we would draw numbers out of a hat. And whoever got the number one show had to clear the pitch. So every day someone had to negotiate for them to stop. And they knew that was the deal, but it, they would always go as long as they could possibly go um, until you know, they were like, all right, we're done. And so there was this, this one street performer who was like, really, he was a real tough guy. You know, he had, he had, he'd gone to prison and learned how to juggle in prison. And (laughs) he was a real, you know, he was a, he was a tough guy and he decided he wanted to do street shows during the day. He was going to go and, and, and just break the mold and he was going to do circle shows in a different spot. That was a harder spot to work. And he was just going to, he was going to do it. So, um, and while he was doing that, I, I went one day to, to see what it was like. And I didn't end up doing a show because it just, just looked too hard, you know. And, um, but I saw this, this, one, this guy um, who was, who was uh, I hope this doesn't go too long. Sorry. I'm going to try and make it fast. No, you're but fine. This, 
this guy, this guy um, was holding up a, a, a sign. He was begging for money. And the sign said, um, I have hepatitis C, please help. And I was actually pretty impressed by that because it was a different sign. Normally there was Y Lyots for beer. You know, there was like some yep. pack hobo lines, you know, and, oh, yeah. and this, <laughs> this guy, this guy had, a, had an original hobo line. I was really, I was impressed. I was, and I was no, you know, I noticed him. And, um, and then I, and when I was there with Matt for the, for the show during the day, um, he came up to Matt and said, Hey, do you, do you need anything from the store? Cause I'm the go to the store guy. And Matt would say, yeah, I want a Red Bull and I want this. And so he'd go, go to the store and come back and Matt would give him a tip for going to the stores so that he wouldn't have to leave his stuff unattended. And so then this hepatitis C guy became go to the store guy. And he looked at me and he was so proud and he said, Hey, do you need anything? Cause I'm go to the store guy now. And I was like, oh, I don't, but I'll let you know if I do. This is awesome. Like he's like, he's like moving up, you know, like in our office, in our little weird little office <laughs> of street performers. He's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's promoting, he's self promoting. Like this is awesome. And, um, and then, uh, and then one day I, I, I look up, I, I, go, I get to the pitch a little early and I see, I see him covered in silver with a silver suit and he comes up to me and he says, do you remember me? I said, yeah. He says, I'm going to the store guy. And so he went from, you know, uh, original hobo to, uh, go to store guy to now he's a silver guy. And I was just like, this is great. Awesome. You know, what a, what a, what a great mover and shaker, you know? All right. And then, and then I hear, uh, this story from the street performers. There's like, Oh, a man here. And I was like, man what are you talking about and they're like oh you haven't heard the story of what happened to matt and i was like and and that new silver silver guy and i was like no what happened and he said okay well so matt was trying to do a show during the day um like he does in the you know difficult circumstances and so he was doing it in this little odd space and uh the the new silver guy had decided that this was his turf that this was his corner that Matt was trying to do a show on and he didn't want Matt to do a show. He wanted to do his silver guy thing there. And Matt said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do my show. I'm going to do it for 45 minutes and then you can have the spot for like for half an hour and then we'll, we'll, we'll move back and forth. I don't know exactly what his negotiation was, but he was like, I'm just going to do the show and then you can have the spot. And he, and the new silver guy was like freaking out about it. He was like, no, no, no. And he starts yelling at the people to not watch the show. And Matt was just not was just ignoring at me, just put his, put his music on and lit his torches and was starting to build a crowd. And this, the new silver guy was just so, he was freaking out and left for a second, came back and went up to Matt and he was holding a bag of, of feces. <laughs> and he, he looked at Matt, this guy who learned how to juggle in prison, like a really tough guy. He went up to Matt and he said, if you don't stop your show right now, I'm going to rub this all over your stuff. I'm going to rub this all over your stuff. And so Matt, this guy who learned how to juggle in prison, said, whoa, turned off his music, packed up, and left. You know? <laughs> so this was, this was this guy's new negotiation tool. <laughs> and it was like... You know, so now, now we all knew that we had, we were dealing with now this guy, this guy, this guy went from, you know, hobo to, to uh, go to the store guy to new silver guy to man now he's man. And, uh, yeah. And so I had this, I had this interaction with him where he was the only, like, it was just me and another street performer 
and we flipped the coin and I won. And so I had to clear the pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the only person on the pitch was was man. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, oh no. So I went up. I, I went up to him, and my tactic generally for negotiating with with the street guys was just to get as little girly as possible to to just just to I don't know to 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 try and appeal to any fatherly kind of instincts they might have to take care of me. <laughs> and so I uh, I went up to him and I was like, "Excuse me, sir. Excuse me." And he's like standing still. I'm like, "Excuse me, sir. Like it's it's five o'clock. It's time for us to start. Um, can you do you think you can uh, you think you can get off the pitch in like five minutes?" And he just he wouldn't move. He wouldn't answer me. And eventually I kept asking him and he would look at me and he said, woman, I'm trying to stand still. And then he went back. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay. I started walking back to Eric. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And, and as he saw me walking back to Eric, um, uh, he, he got scared. I think Eric, I think Eric had like threatened to kick his stereo into the ocean if he tried to mess with him or something. And and so, so he was a little scared of Eric. So as I was walking towards Eric, he yelled at me and he said, Hey, Hey, you need the spot. You need this spot. All right. Five minutes, five minutes. I'll be done in five minutes. And so, and that was it. <laughs> that was my last interaction with wow. man. And, uh, that was, uh, that was really interesting office politics really when he broke it down. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. that's quite something. Yeah. <laughs> now is he a uh, part monkey or something because monkeys you know they take their and they they fling their yeah, poo right. sure, well you know we're all we're all part monkey aren't we <laughs> i guess him more so i suppose i suppose his wow. instincts are a little bit fresher <laughs> uh yeah fresher nice <laughs> i see what you did there <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so uh, lo- looking at your career thus far, would you say that you've made it? I'm I'm very proud of where I am. I'm proud of what I've what I've created. I don't feel like I've made it. Um, I I would feel like if I had made it, made I I, I still have this dream of of having like an hour long special or something, you know, like 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 Pee Wee Herman's first show or. You know, something that can be televised or recorded on a, you know, of course it wouldn't be on a VHS anymore, but something that, you know, you could have in a collection and, and see, and it's a, it's a proper televised thing, you know, that's, that would be kind of, that, I feel like that's kind of my ultimate (laughs) goal, you know, and until I, until I manage to do that, I'll kind of always feel like I've, there's a gap, (laughs) but although I'm sure like once, if, if I do manage to I'll say when I, when I do that, um, that I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's always what I've, what I've learned when I've met, uh, when I've met people who have had that moment where they felt like they really made it. My husband is, was one of them. He said, you know, like I, I had that moment. I felt like I really made it. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't end there. You know, there's still, you still dip down. You still have these, it still ebbs and flows and you still, your ego still takes a beating and you still feel like, there's so much more you can do and, and, you know, so that, that feeling is, is fleeting is I guess what I'm trying to say. So I'm, I'm aware of that, but that's, I certainly don't feel like I've, I've made it, um, but I am proud of myself. Right. You drop a marker and you move on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. I, I can see it uh, exclusive to Netflix, the book of love. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> sure, sure. I was thinking PBS because that's yeah, what I was go. so inspired by when I was younger. But you know, if uh, yeah. if uh, you know TV like that is still around, and sure, I know, years, right? right? Two like, years, yeah, three years. Like PBS doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I don't care. PBS. I want PBS. Yep. Yeah. Then you start your own internet show, right? Exactly. PBS. Very cool. <laughs> Very nice. So, looking back at your career, is there anything you would have done differently? Gosh, um, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I might've, I might've, uh, like, I always feel like I could have done more. Uh, I don't know what that more is, but you know, there, there, I feel like there were, there were times I really got discouraged that I wish I hadn't gotten discouraged and just kind of gone for it, you know, but all in all, it, it, I did what I did and I've done what I've done and I'm. I'm just moving forward. <laughs> Back to your mantra. Yeah. Absolutely. It keeps you solid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So we're, we're going to switch it up a little bit here now. And what I'd like you to do is just recommend a resource that you always use. And it could be anything from like an iPhone app. And, you know, some people just say there's nothing better than a good old pad of paper and a pen, you know? Sure. I always... Uh, in my in my office, I always make sure I have uh, really big mirrors. Mirrors are really very useful for me, especially as a silent uh, a silent act to just kind of see what it is that I'm doing and to just I play a lot. <laughs> I play a lot when there are mirrors around to just make funny faces and <laughs> and just dance around and kind of just like just just basically like hang, ha- hanging out with myself that's <laughs> playing funny. with myself and and getting to know what what what's what's reading for me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mirror i love mirror i love having mirrors in my in my workspace i think it's really really valuable that's great let let me ask you something if you're walking down the street you and your husband and you're uh you you walk past a building that has highly reflective walls do you go up and uh play with the mirror I, I would be too embarrassed. <laughs> I'd be too embarrassed. I that, that like the the mirror play is such a deeply private private thing for me. Got it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's why it's got to be like in my enclosed office. Like if I know that anybody's watching me, like it's just I I would get shy. I just couldn't. Like it's got to be got to be my own little 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 hideaway where I can just be as goofy as I want to be. Well, I have to say you have that in common with. Uh... Pretty much every magician in the world. Oh, yeah. Right? Mirrors. Of course. Of course. Yeah, they got to make sure that they're not giving anything away. Absolutely. All angles, right? Yeah. Good stuff. Well, uh, go ahead and recommend for us two books. One specific to juggling and one uh, outside of your performance expertise, like a business book or a self-development book. I don't think I I don't think I could read a book on juggling if you <laughs> Okay, well hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um but I I I think, you know, as far as like just uh even like performance specific or, or Yeah, performance like that, yeah. specific. I I I really like uh, I really like biographies for that cuz I really I really enjoy finding out what people's journey was, you know, like I I read Carol Burnett's autobiography. I I read um I loved uh Lucille Ball, she had written this whole book that she died before it got published. And it was this manuscript that was as, as told by. It's called Love Lucy. I really love that book. And 
I love Steve Martin's uh, Born books, Standing Up. Born Standing Up. Yeah, that, 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 one. Was, that was a great one. Yeah. Very cool. And do you have a, uh, a recommendation for like a business book or a self-development book kind of thing? Or is that, um, I guess I, they kind of fit the same, huh? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I read, uh, I read the, this book mastery by Robert Greene. I really liked, I really like kind of, um, diving into what, what the different stages of learning are and what the different stages of mastery are just to kind of always, always remind myself, like, there's a process <laughs> and it, and it takes some time and it takes some, um, some just, you know, real practice and real, real, um, right. time. It takes time. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, would you give a piece of parting advice to our listeners? Um, just keep listening to what delights you and makes you happy. Um, and pay attention to what uh, what gets what gets the response. You know what's really what's really reading um, for people, and combine the two, and you'll have a really you'll have a really happy time when you're performing. Very cool. So basically, be aware of your surroundings as you're performing, so you can get that feedback and find <laughs> out what people are are really enjoying. Absolutely. It's like, I, I don't know, I can't remember who said this, like this is something, you know, this is like third hand, but, um, you know, the, this performer had done this big, this big thing or had done some, uh, some, some show and, and this teacher said, you know, this, that show was like watching you piss in black corduroy. <laughs> <laughs> you felt something, we saw nothing. <laughs> so nice. you just want to, you, you want to pay attention you know, like it, it's, you can get really, um, uh, I think especially as a solo entertainer, you can get very kind of like, ah, oh, I know exactly how, how I want to show myself and be myself. And, and you can't, that's it, a lot of what you do is based on how people are receiving you, you know, like the audience is really your, your, your musical instrument as a, as an entertainer, as, a as a, as a no fourth wall <laughs> entertainer, as a vaudeville entertainer, as a, as a magician, as a, for me, as a, you know, as a vaudeville entertainer, it's, there's, they are your instrument and you learn how to play them by, by playing in front of them. So I think probably actually the, the best advice is just as much as you possibly can just keep performing in front of, in front of people, keep it alive. Um, because that that's that's your that's your practice that's your scales that's your you know it's it 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 all adds up and it all is a part of um, your mastery of playing your instrument. That's really interesting. You know, I've I've heard of people. You know, I've I've heard the saying where you play the audience, right? But mm. I you know I think you've uh, you've kind of turned it around in my mind a little bit in that uh you know the more you play an instrument the better you get and mm. the more finer like details you can you can interject into you know what you're doing with it which is kind of sure cool. yeah. sure yeah and you know if you think about like i had never actually thought of i never thought of it i i think that just came out just i'd never thought of it as like the audience is your instrument but they really they really are um because i mean you're you're playing the same you know, you're playing often, you, you know, you have your act, so you're playing the same song. Um, mm -hmm. but that, that song is, 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 
it's going to be different with the different house that it's in or the different acoustics or the, you know, like it's all going to, it's all, it's always going to shift a little bit. So you, you just, you know, when you see, you know, entertainers, I think who are, who are young at it, um, often will blame their audience. Um, so that's common. They'll say like, oh, they sucked. Like they just didn't get me, <laughs> you know? And then you, but then when you see, uh, a really seasoned, um, uh, entertainer, they might go on right after that person who's like, oh, they sucked and they just kill, you know? Um, yeah. and that, that's a, I think that's a good indication where it's like, that's, it's, it's really, I mean, yes, your audience will change, like they, they will change, but they're your instrument and you know, how you, how well you play them is, is, is an indication of, um, how much you practice and how much you, uh, how much you, you know, respect, you respect your instrument. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Well, there's one more thing, Lindsay. I'd like you to just tell us where we can find you, uh, plug your shows, plug, uh, any products you might have or, you know, anything like that where we can find you online. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, www.lindsaybenner.com. That's spelled L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-B-E-N-N-E-R. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, Lindsay Benner Variety um, is uh, how you find me there. Or you could follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Benner. At Lindsay Benner. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, sharing your experience with our listeners. I know that you've shared all kinds of great information and that our listeners, you know, can use to help them grow their performance businesses as well. So awesome. Thank you so much. This hey, is fun. Thank you. Have a, a wonderful night. <laughs> thank you. you <laughs> Hey there, this is your host, Chris Shepard, wrapping things up. I really hope that you're enjoying these free podcasts. If you are, I'd really appreciate it if you go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com, click on the subscribe on iTunes tab at the top to be taken to the iTunes store where you can leave a rating and a review. Don't forget that I'll give a shout out by name to anyone who leaves a five-star rating. Now, go out there and make your dreams happen. Am I allowed to use uh, a bad word that starts with sh and rhymes with it? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs>